The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel, and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show. And today's show is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's pod.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast, Guys Guys Radio, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. All right, we've got a great show for today. We've got two guests. Our first guest is going to be Richard Leader. He and his writing partner, David Shapiro, pulled together this book, Who Do You Want to Be When You Grow Old? And Richard's written like 11 books, and uh, he's a really well-known executive and life coach. And um, this book is about, first of all, it's very relevant to boomers. It's about kind of reaching the kind of latter stages of your life and finding purpose there and really a reason for being and being able to um, embrace life, the past, the present, and the future in a way that's purposely driven. It's not the same book as Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life, but it is about purpose. And I think you're going to enjoy our conversation because it's got a lot of good insights there. Our other guest is Brandon Beecham. He's written a book called The Golden Key, Modern Alchemy to Unlock Your Infinite Abundance. He's a podcaster. Uh, he's an entrepreneur. His podcast is called The Positive Head Podcast. He's also got an online late-night talk show called Optimistic. And this book uh, is all about uh, eight building blocks, if you will, eight keys to unlocking the ability to attract and receive abundance in your life. So I think you're going to really enjoy our interviews. You know... I do a family night thing every Friday. We have a family film night, and it's my eight-year-old son, my wife, and I, and last night we watched E.T., and at the end of E.T., you know, E.T., he has that red finger, the tip of his index finger, and his heart's red, and he comes back to life at the end of the movie, and his, there's a lot of spiritual undertones that I didn't notice from the first time I watched the movie until now. He comes back from the dead, he ends up going up into the sky, and, and there's a connection between the E.T. and the little boy. And at the end, uh, he reaches out his index finger, that long index finger, and he says to the little boy, if you want to remember me, uh, I'm here. And he touches him in the forehead where the kind of third eye is. And that really struck me because I remember when I saw that movie originally, way back in the 80s, that he touched him where you would think he would touch him, in the heart, on the heart, where the heart is. And that was not the case. And I'm like, is, I seem to remember having a discussion or being in some class and uh, being talked about that they didn't want to have a spiritual connection between ETs and humans. So the ending of that movie was tweaked. I don't know if that actually is the case. But for some reason, I remember 
ET touching that little boy with his index finger to the heart. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. What do you guys think? What's your recollection? Because now he reaches his finger out. He says, if you want to remember me, I'll be here. And he touches him in where the third eye is, in between the eyes and the, on the forehead. Very weird. I'm, is this Mandela effect? Is this sex in the city becomes sex and the city? You know, it's one of those things where you remember something one way for sure, and then it shows up in a different way. And that's just bizarre. But I, I just couldn't get over it because uh, my wife and I had a long discussion about it because there is a real spiritual story in E.T., and that last scene seemed to be jarring because it was unexpected and it didn't really provide the same closure when you point to the forehead versus the heart where any type of you know creative you put together, whether it's a movie or music or a book, you want to have an emotional connection with the audience. And by touching the forehead instead of the heart, I think something was missed out on there. So anyhow, what is your rec recollection at the end of E.T.? Did he touch... The heart, do you remember him touching the forehead? Anyhow, onward. So, time for the interview portion of our show on Guys Guys Radio. A little food for thought there. So, let's get at it right now. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's to the interview session of our Guys Guys radio show for today. I have a very special guest, and we're going to talk about a subject that's on the tip of the tongue of everybody these days, particularly boomers, and I'm part of the boomer generation, as is my guest, Richard Leiter. We're going to talk about his book, Who Do You Want to Be When You Grow Old? He put this book together with uh, his partner, David Shapiro. Let me tell you a little bit about Richard. He's the founder and chairman of Inventure, a purpose company, coaching and consulting. He's created a wide variety of programs for clients such as AARP, Caterpillar, Ericsson, Habitat for Humanity, MetLife, all kinds of companies. He's ranked by Forbes as one of the top five most respected executive coaches. And he is just an amazing guy. He's an executive fellow of the University of Minnesota Carlson School of Management guest lecturer at Harvard Business School, Duke Corporate Education, and the author and co-author of nine books. He's one of America's preeminent executive life coaches, and I can't wait to get started. We're going to talk about his book, Who Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up? The Path of Purposeful Aging. It's by Richard Leiter and David A. Shapiro. So welcome, Richard Leiter, to Guys Guys Radio. Thank you. What a privilege to be on with you today. Well, thanks. I hope we can help out a lot of uh, guys as well as just a lot of men and women, because I think purposeful aging is something that everybody's thinking about now, whether by design or just the fact that it's hitting us in the face. And I don't think COVID has hurt that, that effort at all. Yeah. So let's start right at the beginning, though. I want to talk about a little bit about coaching, though, just to t tee us off, because I, I, there's so many coaches out there now, and you're one of the top five in the country, and you've been doing this for a long time. What do you think about the state of coaching and are there too many? Are there not enough? How did you get started? And what's just kind of your perspective on coaching? Well, my background actually is in counseling psychology, not coaching per se, uh, although I call myself a coach. <clears throat> but the um, it's a boutique industry with very little uh, entry uh, criteria. So you have lots of people who are 
feeling like they want to help people. And coach is one of the terms they use to do that. But I always look at um, uh, what is their manifesto? And their manifesto meaning what's their point of view and where did it come from and how much work have they really done to hone that and, and focus that. So I always ask them three questions. What, will you, what do you stand for? What won't you stand for? And who do you stand with? And uh, oftentimes they can't answer that. And uh, so uh, I think the industry is a robust industry for some good reasons, but it's also got some dark sides. Which would be what? Uh, people who are unqualified to commit to deliver the promises that they say they're good marketers, but they haven't really paid the price of, uh, you know, a life coach right out of school. How can that happen? You haven't had life yet. And uh, so, it, you know, it could happen. But generally, um, your experiences, your seasoning, as well as your training uh, stands for something. I know I'm on the... Uh, advisory board of a couple of coaching institutes and they're very rigorous about what they will allow people to graduate with and call themselves uh, after graduating. Got it. Uh, and I agree with you completely. So thank you for clarifying that. So you say that aging is not a disease. It's a design problem. Redesigning our lives as we enter a new phase requires that we learn to grow whole, not old. So as a culture, what are the problems and misconceptions we face as an aging, aging population now, Richard? Well, first of all, the demographics are such that in the early 1900s, the average life expectancy was age 47. Now it's 85 and over. And the um, so let's say we've added, with luck, uh, three decades to life. What's the point? What's the point of the exercise? Is it to retire for three decades? And if so, is it really even possible to do that uh, financially or in relationship-wise or, or, or otherwise? And so we, we are in new territory without a map. And so what we've tried to create here is, is a, a form of a map. In, in other words, how do you embrace positive aging? And it's called the path of purposeful aging. And I did a PBS special a few years ago, shown in 400 cities across the country. And one of the key elements of that that really uh, struck so many people was this. Purpose is not a luxury. Purpose is fundamental to health, healing, happiness, and even longevity. And so uh, we need new practices and new maps for this new territory. I always say that there's a there's a big difference uh, between aging, which I don't mind, I understand it's part of the process, versus getting old. And as a boomer, just uh, corresponding and seeing you know friends on social media, I can see those that have purpose and those that are basically, hey, I'm retired, I can just do what I want now, and that might be great. Not everybody has to. Their purpose might be relaxation. How do you how do you feel about that? That uh, is it about the individual choices that people make. Is it a is it not a good thing when people say, oh, I'm retired, and then they just kind of like, wh whatever, they take things day by day, or, or can that be healthy? Well, it, every, I always say everyone's an experiment of one. So everyone's different that way in terms of how they engage with what's what used to be called or is called is, uh, retirement. I always advise people to take a moratorium, to do whatever you need to do, play golf or fish or travel or clean your closets or, you know, whatever you want for to do all those things that you didn't have time to do for a while. And then here's my card. Call me when that's over. 
And it's usually about nine to 12 months to 18 months where people say, oh, I, I just, uh, I'm bored or I'm something. And they'll often say, I'm busier now than I was when I was working. And I'll say, busy about what? Because ants are busy as well. You know, it's busyness just takes up time. And, and in some ways it shields you from looking at the future, which is dying, so to speak, if you keep busy, busy enough. And so to answer the question very succinctly, it, it's a quote from E.B. White, the American essayist. He said this, he says, I arise in the morning, torn between a desire to save the world and a desire to savor the world. This makes it hard to plan the day. Well, I think retirement's about saving and savoring, not literally saving, but uh, being engaged in community or with uh, things other than your own self-absorption. And so I think it's good to have both, a balance between saving and, and savoring. All savoring doesn't seem to work for people and all saving doesn't either. Having talked to so many experts in so many areas, it seems to me that men get stuck sometimes and it's they have more of a challenge with change and or and letting go. And I, I fall into that trap often myself. But now that I can witness it, uh, I'm getting better at that. Do you find that men do have trouble making changes? And what can they, if so, what can they do to better position themselves for aging? Let me give you an example. A lot of boomer guys I know, you know, they, they're living in a similar fashion as, as they did when they got out of college. They have the same values. They, they value themselves via the paycheck their title, their power, being head of household, whatever, the world's changing very rapidly in that, you know, 40, 50 years since then. And they're not sure what's next because when they lose and if they get laid off finally, which eventually, I guess, unless you have your own business, it's going to happen. A, a lot of them, they're dabbling in a couple of hobbies and stuff, but I don't think they feel super comfortable in terms of what's next. What are your thoughts on this? Is this typical? It is, and it's a great question, and it's got a lot of layers to it. And um, one of the things that I write about and speak about is this, that isolation is fatal. Going in alone, and many guys, guys are individualistic in terms of going it alone, and that's the way I was brought up uh, as, as well, to be stand on your own two feet, so to say. But that's not a good thing when it comes to... Um, the aging process. And so uh, I always suggest that people have a sounding board minimally. And a sounding board is like your kitchen cabinet or your, but it's where you can talk about things with, with people. And there's usually four different people on a sounding board that may say, well, what is one and most importantly is a committed listener, somebody who you actually can talk to. And I've heard guys say something like, well, I, I I played golf with him last week. I didn't realize he was getting a divorce or that he was having heart condition problems. And so we can busy ourselves, but who do we talk with? Who listens to us without fixing us? It's kind of care versus cure. It's, it's not curing us, but it's, it's allowing us to share the burden in, in, in certain ways. So the sounding board is a committed listener, a wise elder, somebody older than us that we can say, that now that's a good model or an exemplar for aging. And then third is the wise younger. I, I find that uh, wisdom is intergenerational and that having young people as well as old people. And finally, uh, what I would call a purpose partner, somebody who you can, if you make some moves, a goal, they hold you to it rather than just say, oh, that's too bad. They, they help you to really step up to your... 
So uh, I won't coach anyone unless they have a sounding board. That's how important it is. I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, do you find this more of a, a, an, an issue with men versus women, or is it just a Western culture? Because, you know, we're trained to, you know, I do this, I get that. I do this, I get that. I do this, I get that. And I think it's it can be effective, but it also, it can be limiting because you're limiting the opportunities for magic to occur in your life. And I don't mean magic hocus pocus. I mean, no, working right. with energy, energetically, right. spiritually, yeah. whatever, yeah. just being mm -hmm. open to receiving. And uh, a lot of times we're not because we're so ground into expectations and this collective agreement that we've made that is, if I do this, I'm going to get that. And then when I don't get that, I'm very upset, even though there could be something better that's that's coming that we didn't realize when we got right. blocked from what we thought was what we needed. Yeah. No, uh, the, uh, when we look at that notion of a committed listener, a high percentage of the time, women will pick a friend, another often, most often female friend, whereas a guy will pick his partner or spouse. And uh, that's limiting because you're still within the same bubble that you were in without exploring outside that bubble, like you're suggesting might be the, be the case. And so um, it's a difficult uh, one, but I think it's, it's much more, I see so many retirees who are really lonely and they're not alone. They're in activities, but they're lonely and that they feel like they don't have that identity anymore that they had when they were working. They don't have a time structure like they had, and they don't have tribe. They don't have that team that they were part of then that they were probably closer to than some of their family. Uh, you're a very wise man. My special guest is Richard Leiter. Uh, uh, who do you want to be when you grow old? The Path of Purposeful Aging. I think it's a terrific book. There's so many. I kept writing questions down and I, I just ran out of paper. So I I, I just called it down to what I thought were the most important aspects, because I think this is such an issue for today's aging population. You t one of the things you talk about in the book that I found very interesting is a Hindu life stages, the guru, the household provider, the retiree, and the renunciator. And I really like that. Could you explain that? Because I think it could be helpful for some of our Western culture people. Well, there's some rituals, some, and we don't have those. I mean, the gold watch is as close as I can think of as a ritual. <laughs> but a ritual means when you hit a certain stage in that culture with that religion, you're expected to become a wise elder, so to speak, to re, uh, regroup, and that's going off to the woods kind of thing, and um, or going off, and then come back and uh, and give and uh, in, in certain ways and not just continue your life stage model that you were living. And what I thought, one of the chapters in the book that <clears throat> gets a, a lot of attention is, it's called, Am I Living a Default Life? And a default life is kind of the life that you were dished when you grew up and you kept with that and it was successful or you survived with it. And you keep living with that default life rather than growing. Everybody's getting older since birth, but not everybody's growing older. And what we found in, uh, I got a chance to visit back to the PBS special and the kind of study that I do, I visited neuroscience labs around the country where they're doing studies of purpose and attitude in the brain, purpose and uh, health and purpose and longevity. And what they find is that people who are curious, growing, I mean, a puzzle would be kind of a lame example, doing puzzles, but you know, something that uses the brain, 
and who and and uh, or going back to school type. But if you're not growing, you're dying. And so, uh, what are what what's your growth edge, and what are the areas you'd like to? It doesn't have to be study, but be engaged in that would engage the whole mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. I want to just double back to that boomer men conversation piece we were just having, and that is that you know it's it's difficult. I agree with you. You, know, you can be in a golf foursome, and uh, you're going to find out somebody's getting a divorce. Maybe one you're on the third hole or something like that. Yeah. Guys, when we get together, we don't really uh, open up. Uh, I guess we're part of it is a concern. We don't want the other, want the other guys to fix us, criticize us, judge us. Yet women, when they get together, they talk about everything. And men, we're a bunch of uh, lone wolves out there. And right. it, it is unhealthy. And I, I, I've set up Zoom meetings with my friends just during COVID, like, hey, let's just get together. And instead of text messaging, let's do Zoom. We see each other's face. And it went much, much better than texting, which you can get into. You know, people read texts and they can, they can you, ne- you, ne- you don't necessarily get the true meaning from just the words on a screen. Whereas right. if you at least get on a screen, it's it's not as good as being in person and feeling the energy, but at least it's better. But there's steps and I want to find out, okay, how are you doing? How's your health? And I could see the, you know, people yeah. don't want to talk about things that are personal to them, yet it seems to me that that is unhealthy. H- how do we kind of, un- un- and we're going to get into unlocking purpose, but in terms of unlocking the male-to-male communication, how do us boomer guys do that to help each other? Well, often it's finding something we're mutually passionate about, like some activity that, let's say, Habitat for Humanity is an example, where we can get into something together and somehow that's it's the, the enemy of self-absorption, which leads to narcissism. And if it's all about you, you're not going to be that healthy. What we know about, uh, you know, one of the... Um, neuroscientist held up a pill when I was visiting him. He said, Richard, you see this pill right here? And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, this pill will reduce the effects of Alzheimer's, will help with sleep apnea, will reduce the incidence of macroscopic stroke by 41%, and will add seven to 10 years to your life. Would you buy that? And I said, uh, well, of course, but I mean, is there such a thing? And could you, he said, it's purpose. We now know that people who have a reason to get up in the morning beyond just their own self-savoring that day, tend to get get all those factors. He said, it's fundamental. It's not a luxury anymore. We're now able to measure it. So uh, sometimes what it takes, quite honestly and depressingly, is a crisis. You know, that people have cancer or heart attack or divorce, and all of a sudden they think, well, where have I been? What have I been thinking about or not? So oftentimes it's a crisis of sorts or the crisis of somebody close to us that, that kind of opens the door to, to a, this kind of conversation. What's the best way then, Richard, of uh, unlocking purpose then for our uh, listeners? Well, uh, the term unlocking is different than discovery. Okay. So what it means is it's in us waiting to be brought out in certain ways. So I have a formula, I call it the purpose formula, and it's G plus P plus V equals C. G stands for gifts. What are your talents? Mm-hmm. Your most enjoyed things you love to do. The P stands for passions, things that you're curious about, interested in, wanting to delve into in certain ways. And V is values. Who do you like to hang out with? And how do you like to, to play? You know, and, 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 and then equals calling. And calling is different than um, 
I mean, it's the same as purpose, but it's more, it's a different kind of a, a, spin, a spin on it. But calling is for life. We're just because the job is over or the career is over, a calling isn't over. We can still bring our gifts, passions, and values to life on a day-to-day -day basis in some small way, make a difference in one person's life every every day. And so uh, if you, uh, uh, what I say to people, the simplest way to unlock purpose is, is take out a post-it and write two words on it. This is the default purpose. The two words are grow and give. Put it on your mirror, and in the morning, when you're getting ready to do, go or do what you're doing, ask yourself, how am I going to grow and give today? Simple. It can take a matter of minutes. And at the end of the day, before you go to bed, if you want a good night's sleep, ask yourself, how did I grow and give today? And even the most skeptical people, if they try that for five or six or seven days, there's a felt sense that this, this is worth doing at least for a moment every day and um so uh, you know it's a um that's the formula but the practice is simple just put it on a put the default purpose on a post-it try it for a week and see what it. happens i love it my special guest richard Leiter. who do you want to be when you grow old the new book path of purposeful aging such an important topic how do you uh, you also talk about something i love which is it's a it seems like there's two things two notions one is there's a spiritual underpinning to this aging with a purpose, I think, because traditionally we look externally for our lives to give meaning. And I think the more of a spiritual unfoldment path that you have, the more you realize that the universe, I put that in quotes, is inside and it becomes more of an inside out way of living versus an outside in. Let's start with that. What's your thought? Yeah, totally agree. That's 100% agreement. Um, it's an inside out and it's a choice that we make. There are 1,440 purpose moments in a day. And it's a choice of uh, stepping into it and giving somebody a kind word or a hug. My original person who helped me unlock my own purpose was a man named Victor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And I actually had, after I was in graduate school, quite young, I saw that I had studied him and he wrote this book, Man's Search for Meaning. He was at three concentration camps. His whole family died and he survived. And he's a doctor. He's a neurologist in Vienna. And he said the, ult the, uh, the last of the human freedoms is choice. Well, what kind of choice do you have in a concentration camp? Well, little, but you have the choice to give somebody else hope, a kind word, a crust of your bread, uh, uh, a hug, something and he said that helped didn't always work but it helped people survive to have that sense so i think we still need that choice in our lives uh today to choose what we want these moments to be about so meaning comes meaning is created in the moments that we choose to make these kinds of differences in other people's lives a lot of uh folks and to get to the retirement uh stage and uh you know th there's a money issue i mean that's how our yep. society works now so we can talk about it and we're doing okay and there's some people who are struggling they can't retire they're balancing jobs and payments and debt and all of that stuff what would be your advice for them wow i mean that is so difficult and with ageism in the workplace and uh in the job market etc it's very i don't have any silver bullet here but i think you have to stop pause and do your homework what are you really good at what are you passionate about and uh, you have to 
uh, I tell, tell this to millennials all the time today. It used to be if you want a conversation about purpose, talk to somebody 40 or 50 or over. Now talk to somebody who's a millennial because they don't want to work any place that doesn't have a purpose and that doesn't help them with their purpose. I think it's the same with uh, people in the second half, half of life, but they have to be very savvy about, about how they keep renewing themselves and their gifts and how they keep learning and growing and, and all of that. But there's no question ageism is alive and, and, and well, and it's a very difficult uh, matter. But I, I would say that um, look to your gifts, look to your passions, look to your, your values and, and your network. But everyone kind of says the same thing, but people are lazy. They don't do their homework on that and they need to. I think you said something very brilliant in the book, not having what we want, but wanting what we have. That shift and other shifts in perspective as we age, regardless of our monetary situation, become more and more important. So I think, Richard, you and Dave, David are doing great work. I think it's a terrific book. Please tell everybody where they can find out more about you, where they can get the book, and also your last bit, one bit of advice to get people out there, our listeners started on their path to purposeful living. Well, I'll start with the answer to the question, what's my advice? And that is, as Viktor Frankl said, say yes to life in spite of everything. Say yes to life on a day-to-day basis. Make a difference in one person's life every single day, and you'll start to have a felt sense of what this thing is we're talking about here with vital and positive aging. Uh, I'm at Richard Leiter, L-E-I-D-E-R.com. And uh, in the resources section, of course, I have a blog that I do constantly, and people can download that. That's free. But in the resources section, there's all kinds of free downloads to do, and not selling you anything, to do a lot of the things that we talked about, that we touched on today in a little bit more uh, detail. And one of the things I would say to people is read my manifesto. I took four decades of work and put it on one page, and I called it my incomplete manifesto on purpose. Incomplete because I'm still a learner and the future belongs to the learners, not the knowers. We all know stuff, but learning is really the coin of the realm when it comes to growing whole and growing in uh, as, as we age. So richardleiter.com. Okay, fantastic. Great job. Great book. I love the work you're doing. Keep it up and say hi to David and thank him. And uh, hopefully we'll get you back here again, Richard. I hope so. I really enjoyed your, you had great questions. Thanks for asking. Thank you, sir. Okay, Okay. Richard Leiter, the book is Who Do You Want to Be When You Grow Old on Guys Guys Radio. It's Guys Guy Radio. A very special guest. Let me tell you a little bit about him. We're going to talk about abundance today. His name is Brandon Beecham. He's a podcaster, entrepreneur, author, philosopher, truth seeker. He's been a serial entrepreneur since childhood, and in 2010, he founded a company called Resort Share, which was named one of the fastest-growing private companies in America. Since discussing and exploring what he calls the ultimate nature of reality, and we'll get into that, he launched the Positive Head podcast, very popular podcast to reach a broader audience with his message. Uh, Brandon's show is one of the top five spiritual pods on Apple. The show's aim is to help listeners maintain a a consistently high vibration, and we love that. Brandon began leading a communal property called The Mystic Manor, where he hosted weekly retreats and began filming the consciousness-elevating variety show Optimistic. 
filming a show called, again, Optimistic. Brandon House has now released his first book, The Golden Key, Modern Alchemy to Unlock Abundance, where he shares eight keys of abundance based on his 25 years of personal experience and exploration. Welcome, Brandon Beecham, to Guys Guys Radio. How are you doing? Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. All right, let's get right into it. So uh, you're a successful business person, entrepreneur, spiritual messenger, if you will, teacher. What inspired you to kind of weave your business endeavors with your spiritual podcast? Mm, great question. And, uh, you know, it's all the same stuff, I would say, at the end of the day. It's, you know, some some people try and really segregate, I think, you know, this is spiritual, that isn't. Uh, and it all, it's all, as I say in my, my new book, it's all spiritual business. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, my, my passion is talking about the ultimate nature of reality and helping people to shift their perspectives, to create more magic in their lives. Uh, I believe we teach best what we most need to learn. And so I've been, uh, on a learning path for about 25 years around this subject matter. And, you know, I just like to, you know, find creative ways to, to put the information out there and, 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 you know, involve people as much as possible along the way, whether it's, you know, my podcast originally positive head, my first sort of stint at this, you know, I, I started including and saying, Oh, let's have Fridays be the fans can take over the show. You know, we did the P head posse. And then on my late night style show, you know, video TV style show optimistic, Hey, let's do retreats and let's have the, um, let's have the, uh, you know, fans of the podcast come and stay a week at the, the Mystic Manor where we shoot the show and then they can be a part of it. And then, you know, with my new book, same thing, I give people the opportunity to participate and, co you know, sh spread the message and kind of share in the abundance and, and really just a fun way to to include as many people as possible. It's really my goal. Okay. What, when you say the ultimate nature of reality, what does that mean, Brandon? The ultimate nature of reality to me is, you know, understanding the nature of the situation in which we find ourselves as human beings and, who, you know, what what's going on here. And the way I see it and perceive it is, you know, it's all one, it, you know, we're all one with the source consciousness that creates and animates all things. So the the consciousness that animates my form, I believe, is is the consciousness that animates your form. The separation between us is an elaborate illusion. And I think, you know, some of these ideas as you as you dive down this rabbit hole uh, gets really, really interesting because you see, you know, you hear the saying as a, as above, so below uh, you can look and see the physical you know, world. And this is part of some of the stuff I share in my book as well as like, look, you're actually made physically of the uh, you know, st materials from a star that lived out its whole life cycle from young starhood to middle age, you know, middle teenage years, middle age, old age died. Its guts were strewn across the galaxy, reformed at some point into you. So, you know, you're literally, you know, a star reformed. And so when you look and see, it's all the same building blocks physically. Uh, and then you start exploring the idea of it being the same, you know, from, from a spiritual perspective, you know, call it God, higher self, consciousness, love, the universe, you know, however you try and point to it, it is, um, it is very fascinating when you start to realize that you are it and it is you and it, it is you. And then how, the, how do you relate that to, uh, to creating abundance, Brandon? Well, great question. So 
you know, let's 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 assume what I'm saying is correct. <clears throat> and you are, you know, one with with everything that you see. So you are therefore, you know, as I say in my, my new book, uh, abundance is your birthright, the quintessence of your being, the essence of the essence. It is you and you are it. All of the abundance you see in the world, therefore, is an extension of of you in some way. And so, yeah, once you start, instead of creating, you know, so many of us have lived from this perspective of separation. It's out there. I'm here. You know, it's 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 away from me. I can't I don't know how to attract it or get it or create it when actually, you know, it's everything you see. You know, it's a the very famous Bible verse. I am that I am. Right. So uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer, I heard him break this down one time, break it down like I am. You look at something. I am that. And then you can really just drop the that I am that I am. I, I just am. Um, my consciousness is everything is an extension of the one. And once you start playing with this idea, you know, it's one thing to say, OK, theoretically, this makes sense. I could see how someone would arrive here. Let, let me start applying some of these perspectives and seeing what kind of results they get in my life, because that's really results speak loudest. Right. And so that's where it gets really fascinating, because the results that you get once you start operating from this perspective are, are really fascinating, inspiring and, you know, create leads you to the abundance that is your birthright. It seems like manifesting is very challenging for a lot of people sure. and you know, kind of playing off what you just said, uh, there's, there's two parts of it. One is we live in a world where a, a lot of people think I do this and I get that. I do this. I get that. I do this and I yep. get that. And it's, it's much more than that. Yet on mm -hmm. the other end of the spectrum, people are wanting certain things and then they're uh, doing their best to like feel like they already have those things. How how are people kind of messing up when it comes to working with manifesting and working with attracting abundance and learning how to receive and getting beyond that kind of simulation, as you <clears throat> mentioned in your book of I do this, I get that and the, how we're programmed. Yeah, right. So I, a really important thing to factor in, you know, a lot of people law of attraction is very controversial for the for the you know, a lot of the reasons you stated, you know, I believe the most important word in there at law of attraction is action. <laughs> and it's all a part of the soup of experience that you're cooking up. And there's a lot more to the story than, okay, did I envision it for, you know, for 10 minutes or 10 days or whatever it is there? Cause there's so many factors at play. It's, it's, it's complex. So, You've got to factor in what has been your vibrational off offering last week, last month, 10 years ago. Uh, you start getting into beyond this lifetime. What is my dharmic path? What what did I set out to do as a possibility? You know, and so as, as a, you know, I believe we have a sort of potentials that we get to choose from and, and experiences, but there's probably not a version of Brandon, for example, that plays center for the, you know, LA Lakers, right? So there is some, some, you know, uh, sway as to, okay, you can, you can create your reality to a certain degree. And then there's your dharmic path that you're, you set up, you came into 3d, you know, to experience. And, and that's where sort of the wiggle room is. And so there's just so much to factor in when you're looking at what sort of manifestation, what sort of experience that you're going to actually is going to appear in your in your life movie. And so a lot of times people are just looking at, you know, something really narrow, really small sample 
of what they did. And there's factors that they're not even aware of. Like I said, it's like, how does, you know, other lifetimes play into this? How does, you know, all these different things play into it? So what I have found to work really well is to set an expectation of what you want to manifest. And then with a healthy sense of detachment is really important. Because I always tell the story. I believe the most important thing that we can do is tell a story. You know, abracadabra means I create as I speak. And you are spelling. You are casting a spell. Your words are your wands when you say anything. So here's my intention. Here's where I want to go. Here's what I'm setting out to manifest. And if that doesn't happen, it's because it's this or something better. So it's constantly, it's not over if I haven't won. That's the story that I tell. So continue to that, that, because when you're overly attached to anything, you push it away. What you, you know, what, what you sort of resist persists, what you accept, you move through. And how do you get into a state where you just are there to receive? You're going to do as much as you can with the information you've got from where you're at with the tools at your disposal and let the rest go into, you know, as one of the keys in my my book is trust the mystery. I'm going to trust there's more going on to this narrative than what I'm aware of. And I know it's all happening for my growth ultimately, even if that equates to me manifesting something that I didn't intend to manifest. Yeah, it's kind of like good storytelling where the, the reader gets the ending he or she wants, but not in the way they expect it. And too mm. often we we squeeze things, uh, we squeeze the life out of the things but through attempts to control the things we really want to receive, and it gets in the way. Okay, my yep. special guest, Brandon Beecham, his book is The Golden Key, Modern Alchemy to Unlock Infinite Abundance. We're talking about that now. Now, in the book, Brandon, you mentioned, uh, you write about our possibility of living in a simulation. Do you believe this is the case? And, <clears throat> and if so, what are the repercussions for how mm. we live our everyday lives and our beliefs and our behaviors? Yeah. Yeah. A guy named Nick Bostrom uh, put forth a uh, paper that got uh, a lot of attention. I think 2001, he's an Oxford guy and he called, called it simulation argument. And he basically said, look, there are three possibilities of a, an advanced civilization. Um, well, one is that they get to a point where they, they die out before they become post-human, as he called it. They made it past all the the challenges that would threaten our survival. Two, they become post-human, but they opt to go a low-technology route. Three, you become post, a civilization comes post-human and uh, continues to, to advance technologically, in which case they would most certainly create um, simulations of themselves, which were, you know, getting closer and closer to being able to do now take like the video game, the Sims, <laughs> for example, and, you know, computer power, uh, computing power doubling every, what is it? Every 18 months or whatever it is. I'm not sure if that's still the case. I know years ago they've said that. So, um, so, you know, as you advance, it's like, okay, so if number three is a pretty interesting one to consider, he also ran some, some, you know, did some algorithms to try and determine what would be the most likely he came up with, Number three being the most likely outcome, in which case what's interesting about this is you only need one advanced civilization to create many, you know, uh, simulations of itself. Right. I mean, think of a, a you know, a, a species that's, you know, 100,000 years more advanced than us. You know, their, their Xbox number 300 is probably 
pretty powerful and we could be inside of it right now. <laughs> and there only takes one kid to put it on a shelf for and create billions of us in one simulation, right? So that's why you have people like Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about this or, you know, Elon Musk came out not so long ago and said, look, probably one in a billion chance that we're in a base level reality as opposed to a simulation. So it's becoming more and more wider accepted. Now, I think for some people that's really, it, it's sort of like, um, you know, it makes you uncomfortable to think about. However, what, what is the point of a simulation? Point of a simulation is to learn a skill in an environment that doesn't do major harm to the, the base level, right? To the, so for example, if you're going to become a fighter pilot, they'll put you in a simulation before they let you actually fly the plane so that if you make some bad maneuvers, the real you doesn't die, just a simulation. So when you start to think of it from that perspective, it's like, okay, if we are indeed in a simulation and, you know, we know everything, we look around, everything's made of light. Well, what happens in a video game? Everything's made of light. What is, uh, you know, what is physics showing us? Well, when we're not looking at a particle, when consciousness isn't observing it, it's in a state of quantum superposition potentials. When consciousness observes it, then it snaps into one fixed location. This is very similar to if I play a video game and walk down the hallway, the the, the, of the castle, it's rendering as I walk, right? As my consciousness moves into that zone, it renders. So there's a lot of parallels showing you zoom in on us and we pixelate, you know, where our, our particles actually, you know, the particles that make up the atoms that make up me aren't solid at all. They're vibrations of energy that aren't solid whatsoever. So it's, 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 it is a light show. You're very with, with close parallels. Someone has programmed this place. So, you know, um, I, I would, I would, you know, believe personally that we are in some level of simulation. However, I believe we're the ones behind it and we created it for ourselves to experience and grow and learn here. All right. Let's get into abundance a little bit, Brandon. What does abundance mean to you? And then we'll get into the actual, the eight aspects in the book. You know, abundance, a lot of times people associate abundance with monetary wealth, right? right? Exactly. That is exactly. one form of abundance. Uh, I believe the most important valuable form of abundance is time. Um, you know, health being maybe right up there. Financial wealth, obviously that's, you know, monergy. <laughs> it's a, it's a useful tool in the, in the, uh, monetary based society we currently live, live in. Um, but you know, wisdom, health, friendships, you know, positive relationships, meaningful relationship. These are all forms of abundance. And so, you know, for me, my my book is the golden key is modern alchemy to unlock infinite abundance is all about getting people to tap into, you know, uh, the all the various forms of abundance um, that, you know, are there and accessible waiting, waiting for us to really uh, align with, you know, um, I talk about in the book, the uh, Derek Rydall, uh calls it the law of emergence. Less than the law of attraction is he likes to call it law of emergence because you're not there's not really anything that you attract that's outside of yourself. It's rather creating the right conditions so that what's already inherent within you can bloom. If you take an acorn, you put it on a shelf, it's not going to ever become an oak tree. Put it in the right soil, right sunlight, right water, it's going to to, to bloom into something far you know greater or more complex than the acorn. And that's the same with us. It's all within us. This abundance waiting to be tapped into for the right conditions for it to emerge. Well, let's, let me ask you one last question. Uh, I would like to get practical with some of these things we're talking about. So what are a couple sure. of things that our listeners can do 
can begin doing today to raise mm. their vibration? Great question. Great question. So uh, most importantly, you know, putting the right things into your body is so important. Dr. Joe Dispenza talks a lot about just making little shifts. If you're not liking where you're at, instead of resisting where you're at, appreciating that you're right where you need to, 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 to launch into the next greatest and greatest version of yourself. It, what, what you're a part of is, is, is pure perfection. It's per you're perfectly imperfect. So, you know, the, the way to get to where you want to go is through the gratitude of where you're at. And that's, you know, what you resist persist, what you accept, you move through. And so I would say that is a big one. You are perfectly primed and positioned to get to this, this overly abundant, this infinitely abundant part of yourself that is just waiting for you to open the tap, right? And it's all about aligning energetically. And a big part is non-resistance to what is. And then as you start to do that dance, you start to make little shifts in your, in your, you know, in your day, try meditating for five minutes a day. Don't try and, you know, do, you know, go straight to, 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 you know, the, the monk who's been doing it for 50 years, all day in a cave, like little things, little shifts, take a walk where you'd normally sit and, you know, watch TV instead of watching it for three hours, watch it for two hours and 45 minutes and go walk for those 15. These good, little good things, yep. they, they make big shifts. If, if I'm going to shoot a missile from, you know, California to New York, if I, if I shift it by one degree, it ends up in Maine or somewhere, you know, these little shifts can make a really, really big difference. All right. All right. My special guest has been Brandon Beecham, the golden keys is book, the the Positive Head is his podcast, and he's got this uh, talk show that he does called The Mystic Manor. Excuse me. Optimistic. Uh, optimistic. And then he's got a communal property called Mystic Manor. Sorry about that, Brandon. Oh, all um, good. All good. But um, I wanted to allow Brandon to uh, make an offer to our listeners, but I have to say respectfully, you know, this is not from Guys Guys Radio. Brandon is an entrepreneur. He does things a little bit differently. He tries things. I have ultimate respect for him. I'm going to let Brandon take a moment to do that, and then we'll wrap. So I've allowed, if you go to goldenkey.gift, you can download the, or, or stream either when, uh, you know, get online uh, audio or ebook. Um, and if you use, uh, the code guys guy, that'll allow you to get it for free. And, um, yeah, knowing that you heard it here and then what, what we do at the end of it, if you, if you feel really inspired, you can come and pay any price for the book as part of an abundance manifestation game. Or not, completely fine. Most people don't, which is great. And um, and if you decide to do that, then we have a whole game where we just share that abundance with all the other people reading and playing the game. So it's all about just you know spreading spreading the love, spreading the 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 energy that does flow in. But you know the vast majority of people, you get the book, and and I hope it just benefits their life. I think you're doing a great job, and uh, keep at it. And uh, thanks for being on the show. And we'll see you again. Thank you so much for having me, Robert. Thank you all for listening. Till next time, journey well, everyone. Okay, Brandon Beecham on Guys Guys Radio. Thank you, Brandon. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, we had two very interesting gentlemen as our guests today on Guys Guys Radio, Brandon Beecham and Richard Leiter. Two very different tales to tell. So what did we learn? Well, Brandon Beecham, he pulled together this book, The Golden T Key, excuse me, 
Modern Alchemy to Unlock Infinite Abundance. And as the title suggests, it's all about abundance and putting yourself in a position to be a receiver. Uh, uh, Brandon's done a very good job aggregating a lot of the teachings from uh, some of the spiritual leaders and messengers around the world and through time. And he puts together uh, his eight building blocks for that. And you certainly can't go wrong considering the work he's put together and considering his uh, guidance on that. So good job there, Brandon. Uh, if you want abundance, you've got to be in a position to be able to receive. And I think a lot of people out there, including myself at times, sometimes we block ourselves from being able to receive because we're, we're trying too hard. We're trying to be too controlling. We want things the way we want them when we want them, and that's not necessarily how the universe works, as we all ultimately find out. From Richard Leader, uh, his book, Who Do You Want to Be When You Grow Old? I think what we learned there, the number one thing is there's a big difference between aging and growing old, and one of the keys to having a fulfilling long-term uh, long-term latter years of your life, if you will, is to have purpose, and have a reason for being, and particularly when you start to make changes, and maybe you've had a long-term corporate career like a lot of the boomers have, and it, when you get towards the end, you're not sure what comes next. You might have a hobby, something you want to see if you can make some money on that. You're not sure about your identity because it's been so tied to your company for so many years, and your money has been flowing in through the corporate uh, salary and benefits and perks and all of that stuff that, you know, when you get to a certain point, and this is regardless of industry, or if you're with a big corporation or not, or if you're a big top shelf executive, you know, you get to the end of the line for the corporate life and then you got to determine and re-examine really who you are, what you are and how you serve and what you want out of the, the next, the final third of your life, if you will. And for a lot of guys, I think sometimes that's difficult because they've been doing the same thing for the last maybe 30, 40 years. And when you get to the end of the road for your job job, if you will, you might not be ready for the next step, whether that is enjoying retirement years the way you want or doing something else that you've always wanted to do, whether it's recreational or a hobby or something you want to make money on. So a lot of decisions need to be made, I think, along the way, a lot of considerations, if you will, where you want to have an idea what you want to do, who you want to be, and who you are once you're corporate, if you will, and I put the word corporate again in quotes because you don't have to work for a corporation per se, but I mean the main core of your career, once that comes to an end, what do you want to do with yourself? How do you want to extend the longevity and the quality years of your life? And Richard states, and I think very aptly, that having a purpose is key. And you can start thinking about that purpose way before the end of your career, if you will, and that'll put you in a much better situation for when that inevitable time comes. Because Father Time, as the old song from the Rolling Stones says, time waits for no one and it won't wait for me. 